0: Good group. We're in Hebrews chapter 12. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, page 1383, if you're using that Bible under the seat in front of you. We'd love to have you read along with us. Such an encouraging scripture this morning. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. Lord, I ask your blessing now upon your word. Lord, there's so much yet to be accomplished. There's so much yet to be done. And you have so much that you want to do through your people. And I pray, Lord, that we would be up for the task. Use us, Lord. Bless our time together, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we just spent several months on Sunday mornings uh, looking at the champions of faith that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. The great men and women of God, of faith, in the Old Testament. They lived extraordinary lives of faith. They touched their generations, they did amazing things in the power of the Lord, they had a race to run, and they ran it, they completed it, and they ran well, and were inspired by all that God has done in the past, but let me tell you this morning that the race continues today, and right now, we are the people of God in action on planet earth. And there's a race for us to run. It's our turn to run. The baton has been passed to us. And we're to run this race well. And that's what our text encourages us to do this morning. Look at verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... I love the setting of this text. And this really is a perfect setting for Super Bowl Sunday. Picture this beautiful, massive, cosmic stadium. It's packed full of loud, cheering fans. And there's a mighty contest taking place on the field. A mighty race is being run. And just picture the energy in that moment and all the electricity. So, according to that imagery, who are those that are on the field? Who are those in the contest? Well, the church that's alive on planet Earth today. You and I, Christian. You and I are on the field. We're in the contest. Who are all those fans? In the stands. Well, those are all the men and women of God who have gone before us, those who have finished their race. So, all of the Old Testament saints are in the stands Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Deborah, Samson, Jephthah, Samuel, David, all the prophets. There they are. In the stands, cheering you on as you run. The New Testament saints are in the stands. Peter, James, John, the apostles. The apostle Paul is in the stands cheering you on. Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of our Lord. Mary and Martha. Cheering in the stands. The greats of church history are in the stands. Men like Martin Luther, the Wesley Brothers, George Mueller, Billy Graham, John Newton, William Wilberforce. There they are cheering us on. Great women like Elizabeth Elliott, Corey Ten Boom, Fanny Crosby, Rosa Parks, Amy Carmichael, Clara Barton cheering us on. Many of us have Wonderful, godly, Christian grandparents and parents or mentors that have finished their race. They're in heaven. And they're in the stands cheering us on. That is such an encouraging scene to think about. We are surrounded by the great company of God's people throughout the ages the ones who shaped history, the ones who changed lives. We stand on the shoulders of spiritual giants that completed their race. And their lives and their examples from the stand shout out to us, we followed God, so can you. We live by faith and so can you. We finished our race and so can you. So encouraging. And Christian, never forget, you're a part of something so big. The whole plan of God throughout the ages of history. So now it's our turn to run. Now we're in the race. And make no mistake about it, if you're a born-again Christian, there is a race for you to run. The end of verse 1 mentions the race that is set before us. There is a race set before us. There is a race set before you. Now, there are many things about this race that all of us as Christians have in common. You know, when you become a Christian, you enter into the common goals and the common activities of the Christian faith. For instance, in all of our races, all of us are to grow as Christians. When you become a Christian, you're born into the family of God and you start as a babe in Christ, but you're not supposed to stay a babe in Christ. You're to grow into a mature Christian. Those spiritual disciplines of growth like prayer and reading your Bible and fellowship and witnessing like we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, that is a part of your race. The New Testament also teaches that all of us as Christians are to be active willing participants in the sanctification process. That is, you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside you and transforms you. Makes us more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, we're never going to become perfect this side of heaven, but we should become better. And all of us as Christians, that's a part of each one of our races, and then, of course, the Great Commission. Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, left the marching orders for us. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be witnesses for Jesus Christ. All of us as Christians hold that in common. We're to be a part of that. That's a part of every one of our races. But I also believe that every individual Christian has a unique race to run. I believe there's a lane for you. A track that you're supposed to run on. And I believe that's true because we're all unique. We're all different. We have different backgrounds. We have different nationalities. We have different, we come from different ethnic groups, and all those impact our individual races. For instance, being a Christian here in America presents certain circumstances and challenges to us, but what do you think about being a Christian in China is like, or in a communistic country, a whole different set of Circumstances and challenges, a different, unique race. We all have different, you know, educational backgrounds. We all have different family backgrounds. We all have different personalities, different talents, different health issues that we might have to deal with, different connections into different sectors of society. Some are called to be missionaries in a foreign land. Others are called to serve Christ as a witness in the medical field at home, the business community. Some are called to be pastors. Some are called to be evangelists. Some are called to serve faithfully behind the scenes. There are as many unique races as there are individuals in the body of Christ. And there's one that's unique for you. And you just think of all the different ways that God has used his his people in the past. I mean, just the the variety. David served the Lord as a king. Abraham served the Lord as a tent dweller. John the Baptist had a very different ministry than Paul the Apostle. Esther won a beauty contest for the Lord. Clara Barton... I mentioned her earlier, founded the American Red Cross in 1881 and became its first president. Mary Kay Ash of Mary Kay Cosmetics founded her business on Christian principles and empowered lots of women to follow the Lord. Man, all these different spectrums. Politicians. Working in soup kitchens. Establishing orphanages. So many unique races, and you have one. And I want to challenge you with that. You know, maybe you're a Christian and you never even put any thought into that. You know, a lot of Christians, they get saved, they love truth, they know truth, and they're part of the Christian community, but they just sort of, I don't know, live life in... Just a general way, but has it ever considered? Has it? Have you ever considered that there's a race, there's a lane, there's a place for you? You ever thought about that? You found it. Sadly, there are some Christians who are very content to, to stand on the sidelines. And there they go, and they just watch everyone else running. Maybe that's you. If that is you, then you need to make some changes in your life quickly. And you need to get on the racetrack, and you need to start running. You say, well, I'd like to run, but I don't know where my lane is. God will show you. If you grow as a Christian, as I talked about earlier, if you get involved in the church if you reach out and start to take these steps, of, God will show you your lane. He will give that mission to you. Find it. Seek the Lord. And when you find it, run. Run hard and run for the rest of your life. It would be so nice if all of us could say, as Paul said at the end of his life, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. So find that spot on the track, my brother and sister in Christ, that place for you, and run. And you want to run well. You want to run successfully. And this passage tells us how to do that. If we're going to run well, there are certain things in life that we must lay aside. It says there in verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Okay, I am not a long-distance runner. I don't like it one bit. I'm not running. But I do know that long-distance runners dress light. They don't carry any unnecessary weight. I've never seen a runner on TV run in big, baggy blue jeans. Or a bathrobe, right? Long evening gown. Big bulky coat. No, they dress light. And I've never seen a runner running with, you know, luggage in tow, a sack of rocks, a bowling ball. No, nothing like that. They eliminate everything that might be an obstacle to them running the best they possibly can. And the same is to be true of you and I as Christians. If you want to run this race, you found it, and you want to run well, there are things that you need to lay aside in your life. It says in verse 1, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. My brother and sister in Christ, you're you're to lay aside sin. You're not to be living a sinful lifestyle as a man of God, as a woman of God. And there are things in this world, there are sins that will absolutely trip you up in your race. Sexual sin will trip you up. Drunkenness, revelry, party, party will trip you up. Greediness and covetousness in your life will trip you up. Not treating your wife or husband the way they should be treated. That will hinder you. Cheating others, stealing from others, being jealous of others, the sin of unbelief, just simply refusing to believe in what the Lord has told you to believe. That'll hold you back. It's like running with your your shoes untied. You'll trip. You know, as Christians, we're to take the life of holiness serious. You know, maybe there's a besetting sin in your life, you've been a Christian for many years, but there's this sin that you've been holding on to and you know you're supposed to give it up and you know God has given you the power to do so. But you hold on to it. It's holding you back. We are to lay aside every weight, as it says. Now, this is, a weight is just an impediment. It's a burden. So it's not necessarily a sin. It could be anything in life. Maybe too much time on entertainment, too much time spent on TV, too much time spent on a hobby, or a sport, or an activity. And again, there's nothing wrong with having hobbies and activities in your life, unless it consumes your life. And it takes all your energy and time, and it takes away from you Running the race that God has told you to run. It could be work. It could be career. It could be a relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be a group of friends. Maybe there's a group of friends in your life. And they don't lead you along the right path. They influence you in a bad way. Anything that might hinder you in that race, lay aside. Even if it's something that might be good. Filmmaker Walt Disney was ruthless in cutting anything that got in the way of a story's pacing. Ward Kimball, one of the animators for Snow White, recalls working, get this, 240 days on a a four-and-a-half-minute sequence in which the dwarfs made soup for Snow White, and almost destroyed the kitchen in the process. Disney thought it was funny, but he decided that the scene stopped the flow of the picture, so out it went. 240 minutes of work on the floor. Commentator says, when the film of our lives is shown, will it be as great as it might be? A lot will depend on the multitude of good things we need to eliminate, to make way for the great things that God wants to do through us. So as a Christian, I just I challenge you. I, what's distracting you? What's holding you back? Would you give that to the Lord? On your deathbed, looking back over the way you lived your life. What will you wish then about some of the things that you're doing now? What matters most? So if you want to run well as a Christian, there are things that you're going to have to set aside. It also says in verse 1 that we're going to have to run with endurance. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run With endurance, if you want to run well, you must run with endurance, and that's that's an important thing to, to point out here. The race that God has in mind for you is in no way a walk in the park. It is not a Sunday afternoon drive. It's difficult. In fact, the Greek word translated "race" here is the word "agon." We get our English word agony from it. Run with endurance. Hupomone means to remain under a load. To fight through obstacles and stress. To hold up under pressure. The Christian race will be difficult. It'll be hard. It's been said that the Christian race is not a 100-yard dash. It's not a quick sprint and then you're off the field. The Christian race is a marathon. And sometimes it is absolutely grueling. I promise you. You will encounter tough times. You will experience heartache, suffering, disappointment, discouragement, the loss of friendships. You will experience trials, persecutions, and great opposition from the enemy. You will experience, just like everyone else, the normal wear and tear of living in a fallen world. All of that. It'll be tough. It'll be fight. And Paul, we're told here, you run with endurance. Don't give up. You keep fighting through it. Again, I'm not an expert on long-distance running, but long-distance runners talk about this experience where during a race they hit the wall. Now, I'm never going to hit the wall because I'm never going to run that far. I would hit the wall at three minutes, right? But hitting the wall is this idea that you're in the race and you deplete all of your energy. And you're at the end. And you're ready to sit down on that track. You're ready to walk off. And you are forced to dig down deeper than you've ever dug before into the deepest resources to keep you going. And then, if you hold on, you get that second wind. And you start running strong again. And then you can go down again, and then you get the third wind. I really believe that that is such a great illustration of what the Christian race is like. My friend, listen, there will be these tremendous highs that you will experience as you run for Christ in your lane You will see these amazing things that God will, but there will also be those times where you don't feel like you can move. But you got to keep running. You got to keep fighting. Run with endurance. Fight through it. Consider everyone in the stands around you. Consider the sacrifices that have been made for you. You know, there was a time where we didn't have any Bibles in English. Do you know that? Bibles were written in different languages. And there was a time where several godly, scholarly men of God found their lane. God called them to translate the Bible into English. And they did it. And you know, some of them were persecuted. Some were even burned at the stake for translating the Bible into English. And yet here we are, the benefit of the sacrifice of men and women who have gone before us. In fact, it's been said, show yourself worthy of the sacrifice that other men and other women of God have made for you. And who knows, maybe we're called to live a life of sacrifice that will benefit our children, our grandchildren. Run hard. Fight through, claw through if you have to. So lay things aside. Run with endurance, and then there's one more crucial detail that will give us success in the race. Make sure your eyes are focused in the right direction. Now, that's very, very important in every sport, especially in running. When you run, which direction are you supposed to look? Are you supposed to look behind, to the left, to the right, No, you're supposed to look straight ahead, right at the finish line. If you're playing baseball and you're up to the plate, you look at the ball. You keep your eye on the ball. Where you direct your attention is so, so important. You will hit what you're looking at. And remember that next time you're hammering a nail. Do not look at your thumb. Look at the head of your nail. Because you hit what you look at. And in this great, awesome race that God has called us to run, our eyes are to be fixed solely upon the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It says in verse 2, looking unto Jesus... The author and finisher of our faith. That is a very specific Greek word, looking unto Jesus. It literally means that you you discipline yourself to look away from all these other distractions in life. You look away and you look upon, you concentrate, you fix your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother and sister in Christ, you keep your eyes on Jesus. Do not look at others. Don't look at other Christians. Don't look at other, don't keep your eyes on on Christian leaders that you admire and respect. We all have them, but our eyes are not to be on them. Our eyes are not to be on the the folks in the stands that have gone before us, though we're inspired by them, and your eyes certainly better not be on yourself. They're to be on Jesus. It says in verse 2 that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, He's the founder, He's the completer, He's the trailblazer. He's the finisher. Jesus is in charge of the whole race. He's coordinating all the runners on the track. Jesus saved you and gave you the race for you to run. He's your starting line and your finish line. And after all, you are accountable to him. You're not accountable to everyone else. You're accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not required to run your race and you're not required to run my race. And you're not required to run the race of anyone else. You're required to run the race that Christ gave to you. You follow him and you'll be accountable to him. So that's why you keep your eyes on him. At the end of our race, when we get to heaven, we want to hear the Lord Jesus Christ say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Don't we want to hear that? Remember also that Jesus is the ultimate champion of faith, isn't he? We think of the race that Jesus ran. I mean, we talk about the word agon, agony, suffering. Pain. Consider what King Jesus did. It says here that he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. You know, that's one of the things I love about our Lord. I mean, Jesus isn't a king who sits in a palace and requires that all of his servants suffer for him. Jesus is the king who actually came and suffered more for us. That we might be forgiven, that we might be saved. And then he asks us to follow his example. He doesn't say, do as I say, not as I do. No, he did. More than you and I will ever do. The Lord left heaven came man, went to a cross, endured the suffering of the cross. Our sins were placed upon him. He died. It was grueling. He's our role model. We follow him. And he did that because he saw the joy you know, you know who he's looking at is he, he, you. He did all that to save you. He loves you. No one could love you more, no one suffered for you more than Christ. So you keep your eyes on him. and you follow him. and you do so out of great Thanksgiving. Warren Wiersbe told about a ministerial student in Evanston, Illinois, who was part of a life-saving squad. In 1860, a ship went aground on the shore of Lake Michigan near Evanston and young Edward Spencer waded again and again and again into the frigid waters to rescue 17 passengers. In the process, his health was permanently damaged. Some years later at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the people he rescued ever thanked him. Not one. Now I want you to think about what Christ has done for you. How he saved you. How he rescued you. Are you thankful? So get on the track and run, follow him. And run in that lane so that others can come to know of his salvation work. He's the ultimate example. Keep your eye upon him. It says at the end of verse 2 that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that means he, he completed his race. He died on the cross. He was dead and buried. But on the third day he rose again. And he's alive. He defeated death. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's your high priest in heaven. He's alive. And that's a good reason why you keep your eye upon him. He's with you on the track. He's with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. His spirit's inside you. All those people in the stands... They inspire you, but they're not with you. I have a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ that I enjoy support from, and I love them, and they inspire me, but none of them are with me like Jesus. I mean, he's on the track. I'm following him. I got my eyes on him. And he will lead you. There's so much that God wants to do in every sector of society, on every corner of this planet. There's so many things that he wants to accomplish in and through our lives. Let's find our place. Amen? Find your lane. Determine to run well. Lay aside those things that you need to lay aside. Keep your eyes fixed upon him. Run hard, run with endurance. God will use you, your life will count, your life will matter. Warren, or Ray Stedman, told the story of a time when, after a Billy Graham crusade meeting, he slipped into a seat on a bus beside a young man who had gone forward at that crusade that night and had given his heart to Christ. Pastor Stedman spoke to him of what his new life would mean and mentioned that he could now be free from all fear of death. And the young man turned and looked the older man in the eye and said, You know, I've never been much afraid of death. But I'll tell you what I am afraid of. I'm afraid I'll waste my life. I think a lot of people fear wasting a life. You will not waste your life if you run that race that Christ has for you. Some of you have been running. You know what your lane is. You're running hard and you're tired. Hang in there. Second wind's coming. Some of you don't know where you fit. Listen, seek the Lord on that. God will show you. Some of you are, are running, but you're weighted down. You could run a lot faster. What is God telling you to lay aside? Some of you are on the sidelines. Maybe some of you are are sitting down on the track. You've blown it. You tripped up. Get up. Repent. Come back to the Lord. He'll receive you. He'll restore you. You can run again. Some of you are not running the race because you haven't entered the race yet. You haven't entered the stadium. You haven't become a child of God. You haven't become a Christian. You haven't become a believer. The race starts with salvation. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. Lord, I cry out for your people that are hurting right now, hitting that wall spiritually. God, I pray that you would give them their second wind, strengthen them, help them claw through. Lord, I pray for those who absolutely need to return and repent. pray, Lord, that you would restore them. Father, I pray for anyone right now who has not entered the race. You're not on the track. You're not in the family of God. You haven't given your heart to Christ yet. I want you to have that opportunity. Christ died for you. He shed his blood to wash away all your sins. Have you received him? I want you to have that opportunity right now. If that's you in the quietness of your heart, say, Lord Jesus, wash away all my sins. I know that I am a sinner. And I need to be forgiven. And thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open my heart to you. I open my life. And I want a race. I want a lane, Lord. I want my life to count. So make me your child and put me in. Put me in. Let me be on the team. Use my life for your glory. Father, thank you for your goodness, for your grace, your love, and your mercy. And thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Challenge and encourage each one of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.